Our final update before the Bills face the Jets, an injury update with Dr. Kyle Trimble of Banged Up Bills, and my five predictions for Sunday are all coming your way today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I am your host of Locked On Bills. I want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Well, folks, welcome back. This is our seventh episode since the Bills played the Broncos, and it has been a busy, busy week. Now, I can tell you this will be our final episode in our final conversation before the Bills play the Jets. But whether it's our normal content or Ken Dorsey being fired, there's just a lot to get into this week. And I want to start our conversation today with some thoughts, some thoughts about Sean McDermott, some thoughts about Josh Allen and the direction of this football team and exactly what's on the line over these final seven games. And after that, we'll get to Dr. Kyle Trimble of Banged Up Bills, and I'll give you my five predictions or Sunday. But I want to get into Sean McDermott and the direction of the team because when he fired Ken Dorsey in the middle of the season, it was a big move. It was a big move. And with Leslie Frazier no longer here, with, of course, Heath Farwell, the special teams coordinator, not being retained after the 13 seconds fiasco, and now Ken Dorsey being dismissed. Not a whole lot of places left to point the finger. And so I think we have to have a conversation about Sean McDermott. And let me start by saying I am deeply appreciative to Sean McDermott. He took this organization from the dumps to a team that people expect to win the Super Bowl year over year, right? It's been the case for the last several seasons. He's been incredible for this team. and. I've defended him a lot. But we got to have an honest conversation about him and where he falls in all of this, how responsible he is for the 5-5 five and five record and the performance of the team. To me, he's deeply responsible. He's the head coach. He's in charge of all of it. But it all brings up bigger questions. And my number one concern right now as it relates to Sean McDermott is if his messaging has become stale to this football team. Because it has to me. I can't hear him talk about discipline and fundamentals and complementary football and preparation and situational management without rolling my eyes right now. Because I've seen too many instances of those things just not being true about the football team that he runs. We hear him talk about it, and that all sounds great. But the blunders, they don't stop happening. 
the catastrophic losses, they're not stopping. Somehow it's getting worse. And as, as I've said multiple times since the Denver game, the concern is that all the big lessons that you thought you learned from the past that were supposed to set you up for future success and help you, they're not helping you. You're not getting anywhere closer. Your team is regressing. You're five and five. I understand there's injuries. I get all that. But injuries don't have anything to do with having 12 men on the field. Injuries on defense don't have anything to do with the offensive execution problems. Injuries on defense don't really have much to do with catastrophically bad defensive play calls that have directly lost you football games. Sean McDermott just continues to get outcoached in high leverage situations at a rate that's unacceptable. And so, yeah, his messaging to me has become very stale. And that's as a big supporter of him. What does that mean for the locker room? And that's my concern. And, and Sean's starting to sound a little goofy to the media. Talking about subculture? I've never heard that word before. Subculture? Pointing fingers? Reminding us that his defense is hurt and that the offense is continuing to put them in bad positions? It's starting to sound a little goofy. And I'm deeply concerned, not only that his messaging is stale and maybe the locker room's not behind him, but has this Bills team in its current state plateaued? Has it expired? Has it done all that it can? And if so, when you look back at the run, was it good enough? All these superstars, all this talent, best roster in the NFL, what do you have to show? Three AFC East championships? That's been cool. And you got to the AFC championship game one time and you lost. Two divisional round playoff exits one catastrophically bad has that been good enough did he maximize this opportunity to head coach this operation i think there's a lot riding on the last seven games here now, i know that sean mcdermott signed a contract extension this offseason that signs him through 2027 that means something for sure it does and predictively I, i'm i'm not sure what it would take for terry pagula to fire Sean McDermott, you know, I don't, I don't know what that takes. And I can see Sean or Terry Pagula, even if the season, like if they're, they're five and five, let's say they, they go nine and eight and uh, I can see him, you know, having grace for Sean McDermott. There were injuries and, and Pagula thinking to himself, you know, building this stadium, Sabres got their own troubles, you know, like, do I need to go through a coaching search? Like I can, I can see that rationalization and kind of just, giving another year, right? You get a, you get a mulligan. You've been really good. You get a mulligan. So I don't, I don't know what's on the line. I don't know if Sean McDermott, if there's a real world where he can be dismissed, but I think it's worth talking about right now. I really do. And that's a place that if you've been listening to this podcast, you're probably surprised that I'm, I'm, I'm there, but I want to have the conversation and talk about the last seven games and how important they are for this operation to continue building and trying to accomplish what they've been trying to do over the last several years. Now, one thing that I've said repeatedly is that I do get nervous about Terry Pagula and him leading a coaching search. If that has to be done, I've seen his coaching searches. One of them led to the hiring of Rex Ryan. How does that happen? How do you sit across from Rex Ryan? How do you know who he is? How do you examine his history with the jets and think to yourself, you know what? Yeah. Put that guy right there. That's going to be my head coach. I don't know how you, I don't know how you get there. I don't know how you hire a used car salesman like that to run your football operation. I don't know how you do it, but he did it. Ralph Kruger with the Sabres. How do you, how do you, how do you hire that guy to be your, your head coach? 
Like I, I've seen what he's capable of, and that makes me quite nervous about Terry Pagula hiring the next head coach of the Buffalo Bills. Now, I do think that if the Bills do move on from Sean McDermott, that Brandon Bean should stick around, unless you want to completely blow it up, and I think that's drastic. I think Brandon Bean, despite some misses, right? He has had misses. Every GM has misses. I think he's delivered a championship-caliber roster over the last four seasons that's had a chance to go all the way. And if you if you get rid of both of them, then you have massive turnover. You're taking a big step back. I don't think you need to do that. So that that's kind of my my thoughts there. General thoughts, Sean McDermott, the future here, all of that. But I think from here, we also have to have a Josh Allen conversation. And Sean McDermott said some things this week that I think forces us to have this discussion. This is a, this is a quote here from Sean McDermott on the importance of seeing energy and fun from Josh Allen on the field. He said it's huge. He's the leader of our football team, let alone this case, the offense. I think just getting him back to having that look in his eye and having some fun out there. The guy that we watched over the years here, but also at Wyoming, just going out there and having that joy when he's playing. McDermott on why he thinks that's dissipated with Allen over the last few weeks. This is what McDermott said. He said, yeah, I have my own thoughts, but I won't go there right now. But just overall, just where we're trying to go offensively, where we're trying to go as a team, that's really where I'm focused on. Is that the vision of, hey, what do we need to do? And what needs to be back? Those traits, I guess you say, is important. Josh just isn't Josh right now. And I've been asked by a lot of you about that. And I've found myself pretty dismissive of it, perhaps because I didn't want to believe it. But between Josh Allen's post-game comments after the Denver loss, his midweek comments this week, plus the comments that I just read from McDermott and even what McDermott said earlier this week about his headspace, it's undeniable. We got to talk about it. What's up with Josh Allen? Well, here's what we know. We, I, I think you have to acknowledge that Josh Allen is coming out of a very long, a serious long-term relationship. I'm not going to get into specifics there. We're not going to speculate, but it's not a small deal. We're all human beings. We've all had circumstances personally in our lives, and that can affect the way that we act and the way that we perform. And I'm, I am not, please, I am not saying that Josh Allen and getting out of a long-term relationship is the reason he's not playing as well as he can. But it is a, a significant life event that I think is worth bringing up and mentioning under these circumstances. And at the end of the day, Josh Allen, still a small-town farmer from California that very quickly got rich and famous. He's probably sorting through quite a bit. And there's a lot on his shoulders right now, and things aren't going well. And if you've been a listener to this podcast over the years, you know I have talked somewhat regularly about my concerns with Josh Allen and his off-season process. You know, I was asked a few years ago about what my biggest concern with Josh Allen is moving forward, and my answer was his off-season habits. And the off-season is where championships are won. And I've never felt like Josh Allen was very committed during the offseason since he's become an elite player. And I think this past year gave us a good look at what that looks like through his various media appearances where he talked about the focus of his offseason is rest. It's about getting away from football. It's about golf. He enjoys whiskey. He enjoys hanging out with friends. And, and that's where his priorities are. 
And he's defended that process repeatedly by saying, hey, that's what's best for him. He plays the game a little bit differently, and that's what he has to do uh, to get back ready to go for another season. And I think that's catching up with him. I think he's being outworked right now. I think he's being outworked and out-executed by the other top quarterbacks in the NFL. And so he had a stagnant offseason once again. He's played sloppy football. He's not getting the results that he wants. There's huge consequences to that. There's a lot of people riding on Josh Allen and his performance, and that includes the hand-picked offensive coordinator that he wanted getting fired after 26 games. And so there's just a lot riding on these next seven games. But I think when you just try to piece it all together and you're trying to figure out what's up with this football team, they're 5-5, five and five. they're not performing, Josh Allen looks sloppy, the OC just got fired, what's going on here? I think this is the stuff that I'm starting to think about between Sean McDermott, between Josh Allen, the conversations that we've had this week, what I shared in this opening segment. I think that's all very relevant in this broad scheme of what's up with this? Why are they looking sloppy? Why are they seeming to regress? And it's bigger than just injuries on defense, folks. It really is. And I wanted to get that out there. I wanted to to put that out there. And again, I think a lot's going to ride on these last seven games. What do they look like? Do they go five and two? Do they make the playoffs? Do they bottom out? You know what I mean? It's going to write, the book's going to write itself here. But there's a lot riding. And there's some big decisions and big questions that are looming. And how this team performs over the last seven games is going to set the course of this Buffalo Bills football team for years to come. All right, folks, we're going to talk to Dr. Kyle Trimble of Banged Up Bills about the injuries here. In just a moment, so stick with me. But I got to tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the funnest, most exciting, easiest way to play daily fantasy sports. The format is incredible. It's just you against the numbers. It's not you against thousands of other players, including the pros, including the Sharks. It's just you against numbers. Here's what you do: you pick two or more players, you pick more or less on their projected stats, and you place your entry. That's it. It doesn't take long. Picks can be made in under a minute, and then when you win, the withdrawals are super, super quick. I love. Watching all these sports right now, I love them even more when I have a prize picks entry. Going into a slate of games, it just makes it that much more exciting. So go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I'm joined now by Kyle Trimble. He's a doctor of physical therapy. He runs bangedupbills.com. You can follow him on Twitter. At Banged Up Bills, he joins us each week to talk injuries ahead of the Bills game, and we've got a few of those. We've got a couple of big-picture things as well to dive into. Let's start with the players of consequence. We have two players on this injury report that have a game-day designation. Let's start with defensive tackle Jordan Phillips. Knee injury, didn't practice Wednesday, limited Thursday, full on Friday, questionable for the game. Seems like he's trending in a good direction, though. Absolutely. Uh, so just to recap what happened with him, he uh, collided his right knee with uh, McGlinchey of the Broncos uh, early in the second quarter, limped off briefly, and then came back and played the rest of the game. And he still played pretty well. Uh, I thought at the time he kind of got the wind knocked out of him and he kind of was slow to get off. And then you see he didn't practice at all on Wednesday with a knee, so which forced me to go back and look at the film. It looked like just a drone knee collision, but I do commend Phillips on you know still playing through the injury despite – not be able to practice later on in the week there. So uh, I thought he still played pretty good. And I know he's been a guy that we've been on lately because of all the injuries, but he still mans up and gets through the game when he needs to. 
Trent Shurfield, the other player with the game day designation, an ankle injury. We saw him hobbling off at halftime against Denver. I'm a little surprised at the trajectory here. Didn't practice Wednesday, limited Thursday, full on Friday. Like, I thought that might be a bigger deal. What do you got for us on Shurfield? There's not a lot because the camera angles weren't great on that. Whether it was all 22 or broadcast or, you know, just the game day, you know, film, it just didn't give us a whole lot because what happened was this was during the two point conversion when they hit Gabe Davis. The cameras pan away and that goes with all 22 everywhere else. So you don't really ever see what happens, but he kind of just turns and then kind of disappears there. So this was the left ankle uh, coming out, if I recall correctly, because his shoe uh, loosened up as he's come up the tunnel. Um, the fact that he was able to practice this weekend is at least questionable. It suggests it's not a high ankle sprain. So that makes you think maybe a low ankle sprain. He might have just tweaked it when he was trying to pivot. And uh, the fact that he's questionable makes me think he might try playing, but you know, we have, you have enough wide receiver depth. Do you let this guy sit if he can't go through his routes there? So we haven't seen him really do anything in practice. Uh, we did see Phillips do some stuff at practice. So it kind of is up in the air, whether both play, I'd be willing to bet that Sherfield more, more likely has a chance to play versus uh, Phillips, but I've been wrong before only because we sometimes don't have the full information. So um, in either case, we have the depth necessary to bring somebody up if both of them can't play. Yeah. Stay tuned for a potential practice squad call up uh, four o'clock on Saturday. Eastern time is when that is due. I want to get into Christian Benford here for just a very quick second. Um, didn't play in the last game. He was ruled out. Um, and then this week, he, with a hamstring, was limited, limited, full on Friday. McDermott spoke on, I think it was WGR. He said that Christian Benford, you know, he's trending in the right direction. But if he plays, it may just be in an emergency type role, not necessarily a starting capacity. and so. If we see a situation where Benford is active, but it's still Dane Jackson and Rasul Douglas, I think we'll know that he's not quite all the way back from the hammy. Absolutely. And just once again, recap with that, he injured it in practice the Friday before. He didn't have a game day designation, played, injured it late in the second quarter. They said he was unable to, or he could have returned if they needed to, and then didn't and miss the next week there. So uh, I think it's still going to be the play touch and go where it's like, yeah, you can play through it, but let's not push it and let's not use you if you don't have to, which I think is a smart choice, especially with the stretch of games coming up. Milano and Trey White, we're going to talk about them in just a second, but the Jets have a pretty big injury. That's Garrett Wilson. It's an elbow listed as questionable. I understand he's come out and said he's going to play. I'm curious from you, what do you know about the injury and what limitations could he potentially be having on Sunday afternoon? So <clears throat> recap, he injured the right elbow and they've come out in the uh, media reports and said it was right elbow. And it seemed like he fell on it early in the second, or, excuse me, second half, um, third quarter, where he was kind of going up uh, out of bounds. And then as a result, either hyperextended it or hit it in some way. Uh, I did see that he had kinesio tape on the uh, right inside portion of the elbow with the medial side which suggests that maybe this is a medial uh, elbow sprain ucl something along those lines there if that is indeed the case yeah he's gonna be out and play but i question how effective he'll be on contested catches if he can get up there and, and grip the football so you know whoever's covering him on sunday i hope that they're beating that elbow as much as they can not yeah. to hurt him but if there's a chance to dislodge that ball, if there's a chance to knock that ball out from you know, a touchdown, a completion, what have you, that's a ripe opportunity, and they know that it's there. So you might as well take advantage of it when you can. Yeah, Jets offense needs all the Garrett Wilson they can, they can get. And so I'm sure him at a, at a limited capacity, I mean, if they don't have Garrett Wilson, you want to talk about just a disaster of pass catchers, that receiver. 
Uh, they they need him. Uh, so that'll be something to monitor. Let's talk Milano. Let's talk Trey White. Let's get to Matt Milano first. We had a couple of uh, really good listener questions. And I think a lot of people are curious about these guys. So I'll let you kind of dive in on Matt Milano and I'll set the table in our here on the Trey White side of things. Sounds good. So I had Jeff reach out today. He goes, hello, Dr. Trimble. Is there any way you can please obtain an update on Matt Milano's injury and talk about on Locked On Bills? Is all the surgery complete and mild brackets removed from bone? Was the surgery successful? Is he walking without a brace or crutches? Could he come back this year? Milano is in the building. I'm not sure why Coach McDermott treats it like a national security secret. Thank you. <laughs> he does. He does. And that's why that's I think that gives me it. the platform. Yes. He, that's <laughs> why it gives me the platform to talk about what I'm talking about here. So to go back and answer some of the, the, the questions were bolded there. Is all the surgery complete and metal brackets removed bone? The surgery was complete probably the day of or day after the initial injury happened. It's likely happened in England. <clears throat> So, yes, the surgery has been complete. There sometimes are second surgeries when there's additional damage going on, but I believe at the time they would have just done, you know, the, the bone fracture repair. And then as for the metal brackets, um, usually they don't remove hardware unless there's irritation with that or in the case of an external fixer. There's other instances, but generally they can keep hardware in there and just leave it because it's just part of the whole uh, body at that point. <clears throat> Was the surgery successful? I would say so it is. They were talking about him potentially returning. So if it wasn't, um, I think that they would have had more of a different uh, outlook at the time. And now, you know, they did have reports coming out today that that shouldn't change, which I'll get to in a second. Is he walking without a brace or crutches? I don't know. They say he's in the building, but I haven't seen him moving around with a tibial plateau fracture, which I uh, thought it would be. He might still be on crutches, might be partial weight bearing at this point with him being six, seven weeks out but I can't imagine he's going to be fully weight-bearing yet just with the demand of the tibial uh, bone for the healing and whatnot. So it's unfortunate, but that also might have been why, you know, they were saying what he was saying today with his progress. And then could he come back this year? Sean McDermott said no. Um, they really don't think so. And just based off of the progress he's having, whether that's the bones not healing as quick as they want or the rehab, he's having some bit of setback. It's unfortunate, but back when this injury happened, I said there's a small, small, small chance he could come back if everything went well with from a rehab standpoint. So it's unfortunate, but that's just the reality of, you know, trying to be so aggressive with the injuries and rehab. So <clears throat> yeah, you want him to come back, but you want him to rush back and then, you know, maybe the Bills don't make the playoffs or he's not fully ready and you risk further injuries. So I think the Bills are doing right by him, even though he's a huge loss on defense. Bernard and Milano 2024. That's when we get to see the duo back on the second level. Had another listener question about Trey White, and uh, my apologies, I didn't have the name written down, but I do have the question, which is, I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers' accelerated recovery time and thinking of Trey White, aren't we all? I'd love to see Trey get this surgery if it's right for him so we can see him back on the field more quickly. Have you heard from Kyle Trimble on Rodgers' accelerated recovery time? Oh, yeah. I, I definitely talked about that. It's up on my site. If you go back to when the injury happened, I did a quick article on him about, you know, just the whole process with the Achilles and whatnot. Now, you know, this is my, you know, bias being a Bills fan and then being a physical therapist. I don't think there's a shot in hell that Rodgers comes back. I think it's all a show. I think it's a way to keep him in the media, all that fun stuff there. But um, if there is a shot, I, you know, sure, fine. Go ahead, beat it. But going back to the original question with Tredavious White getting the Aaron Rodgers surgery, well, the surgery was out well before Aaron Rodgers ever made this popular. Cam Akers made this more popular last year, returning in five and a half months. And really what this is called is a speed bridge. 
And the speed bridge is minimally invasive, but it's basically just a different way to attach the Achilles back to the bone or wherever the tear is at there. Um, as for whether Trey got it, we don't know. Um, a lot of times Achilles repairs come down to how much damage is in there, what type of where the damage is at, and ac how acute or chronic the injury is. We know the tray, it was acute, and uh, we just don't know what type of procedure he had. There are different types that are a little more minimally invasive, but there's one that's called the PARS, the percutaneous something, something. I can't find it right now. But basically, it allows you to kind of go in without minimal, uh, with minimal incisions and sew everything back up. The concern is you can hit the sural nerve, which could uh, cause um, some problems with sensation and possibly motor movement as well. So sometimes they do do the speed bridge, which connects the Achilles more at the calcaneus is where the Achilles attaches at there. So we don't know. We probably won't ever know. I will say that it does come down to surgery preference because while Aaron Rodgers got the speed bridge and it's all this magic stuff here, Kirk Cousins of the Vikings did also have the Achilles tear, but he did not get the speed bridge because of the type of injury he had. So it doesn't answer the question, but there's also so many variables that A, I'm not making a decision on as a PT, and B, I'm not you know talking with a surgeon to determine what type of procedure is in there. Either way, we should see Travis White back in, sometime in 2024. I question what type of player he will be just due to the Achilles and the ACL, but um, you know the fact that modern medicine is coming so quickly the chance that guys can kind of return in season or the discussion of it and that they can come back and hopefully play at a similar level is impressive compared to what we were 10, 20, 30 years ago. You say the calcaneus, was that what you said? The Achilles, the calcaneus, I the calcaneus. So that's yeah, your heel yeah, bone. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I was. Oh, I, I, yeah. I normally just say heel bone, <laughs> uh, but uh, from now on I'll say calcaneus. So make sure that I, I use big words here. Yeah. I love, I love it, man. I love it. Where else can you get this stuff? Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Kyle Trimble. Uh, make sure you guys follow him at bangedupbills. Bangedupbills.com is the website. As always, thank you for sharing your expertise with us. Thank you, and go Bills. Folks, I am obsessed with DoorDash. The convenience is simply unmatched, especially in my busy life. It's incredible. I mean, they will bring you groceries right to your front door. They'll bring you food from your favorite local restaurants right to your front door. If you want a Milky Way and a Gatorade from the gas station, they'll bring it right to your front door. It's incredible. In fact, I just really love being able to get food from my favorite local restaurants. Mike, Mike's Bagels up the street here. Best bagels in town. They'll bring me a bagel, apple juice. They have great salads. I get them dropped off all the time. So check it out. I know that we're all trying to figure out you know, when we're going to get to the grocery store, what's for dinner, what we're going to snack on. You don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. DoorDash can handle that for you, and we got a good deal for you. Get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app. And enter code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. Again, don't forget to use code LOCKED23 for 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more. Subject to change, terms apply. All right, folks, it's prediction time. Bills, Jets, Sunday afternoon. I've got five predictions for you. I would also like to invite you to join the Lockdown Bills subtext community. We are having fun. Uh, here's what you what you get. Well, first of all, it's a text messaging thing where you know we can text back and forth. I'm only a text message away. We can talk Bills football anytime you want to. Uh, but also, I send out regular updates. So if there's big news with the Bills, I'll give you my first reaction. Of course, when Ken Dorsey was fired, that happened this week, as well as in-game analysis. So pretty much after every drive, I'll send out some thoughts, and that goes to our subtext subscribers. So check that out if you want to join 
There's a link in today's show notes, but we've also added a Discord community with it. So if you have the subtext, you also get access to the Discord where we have multiple channels talking bills, NFL, Sabres, fitness, all kinds of stuff, including a films clip channel where I post my all 22 clips and I'll walk through different plays and talk about what I'm seeing every single week. So don't miss out on that. Again, the Lockdown Bills subtext community, join it. There's a link in today's show notes, show notes to be part of that. So if you're on YouTube or wherever you listen to this podcast, click on the show notes. You can join the Lockdown Bills subtext community. All right, let's get to these predictions. I got five of them for you per usual. Number one, I think the Bills outrush the Jets. I think the Bills have more rushing yards in this game than the Jets. Maybe that's a hot take. You know, the Jets don't really have much going for them passing the football. Garrett Wilson is questionable for the game. Surely they're going to lean on Brees Hall, and Brees Hall had the big explosive runs against the Bills in week one. I think that the, the Bills defense run defense has been a lot better since then. I think they've been pretty good over the last month. If there's probably a good story to be told about the bills and where the season's going, their run defense has been a lot better. I think it's going to show up on Sunday. And the other part of that is I'm expecting the bills to run the ball effectively. This jets run defense can be had. They're 22nd in yards per carry 31st in yards per game. And the bills are coming off their best rushing performance of the season against the Denver Broncos, 192 yards. I think they're going to run the ball well. I think the Bills have more rushing yards than the Jets on Sunday. Number two, and this might be the craziest thing I've ever predicted. I can't believe I'm going to say it. I think the Bills are going to have a clean turnover game. I don't think they turn over the ball. I don't think they're going to do it. And I know this is against the Jets, who they love to turn the ball over against. But, I mean, if this message wasn't loud and clear, and I hope that you listened to our podcast uh, that I dropped on Friday afternoon about Joe Brady and the future of the Bills offense. The big thing here with this entire decision is that the Bills sent a huge message, a huge message, that you better clean it up on offense. You got to think for this week, they take care of the football, right? Like, like that's even Joe Brady talked about that this week, is not, not turning over the ball. I think they get at least a one-game bump on being clean with the football. So I'm predicting no turnovers for the Bills. Number three. I think the Bills, once again, on defense, get three or more sacks. You know, the Bills, prior to that Denver game, they've kind of been in a little bit of a slump when it comes to sacks, but they finally get some sackable quarterbacks in Russell Wilson and now Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's been the most sacked quarterback in the NFL over his last four starts, over 10% of dropbacks. He gets sacked. He knows the importance of not turning over the football and, like, you know, throwing interceptions. To his credit, he hasn't thrown that many. I think only six this year. I think that he will eat the football before he puts it in harm's way. I I think the Bills get three or more sacks on defense. Number four, it will go to FanDuel here. We'll give you a little player prop. Uh, FanDuel has Zach Wilson's passing yards over under set at 206 and a half. I think you should smash the under on this. Uh, And Zach Wilson has gone over 206 and a half passing yards in each of his last three starts. I don't think it happens this week, especially if Garrett Wilson doesn't play. I think they're going to try to play this game close to the vest, lean on their defense, run the football, and really not put much on Zach Wilson's shoulders. So I think he's under 206.5 passing yards against the Bills. Lastly, I think the Bills win the game. I do. I think they get a big bump from the coordinator switch. I think this is a team with their backs against the wall. They've already lost to the Jets once this year. they got to come out swinging. they got to take care of business. And they got a chance here. I mean, look at this AFC landscape. 
Two teams ahead of you right now, the Bengals and the and the Browns, they just lost their starting quarterback for the rest of the year. I mean, you got a chance here. The season is not over. You got Josh Allen. Let's the Bills get in there as a wild card. I promise you, nobody's going to host the Bills and the wild card round of the playoffs. You got a real shot here. So go do it. That starts with beating the Jets on Sunday afternoon. So there you have it. We're done talking about uh, everything since the Denver game. Uh, it's over with, right? We've done all the preparations for the Jets game, the haze in the barn. All that's left to do is for us to watch the Bills play the Jets and get us a victory Monday. Boy, do we need that bad. So I appreciate you being here. Uh, I'll be back, of course, all next week with uh, more content, usual stuff. I know Thanksgiving is next week as well, so I'll figure out our plan there. I'll be on Bleacher Report immediately after Bills and Jets finish, so make sure you check that out. And then, of course, I'll be getting to work on the post-game podcast. Join the Lockdown Bills subtext community. Would love for you to be part of that and would love for you to take a moment to make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast. Would love it if you rated it. You left a review. You shared it on social media. I appreciate that all so, so much. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills. And I look forward to catching up with you again after the game.